this one's animal related as well. It, a lot of them are animal related, which I want to know how the situation came up where this became a law, right? <laughs> How we doing, social drinkers? Welcome back to episode six. Another week, another thirsty Thursday. What everybody bring to drink today? Mitch, let's start us off. What did I bring to drink today? A little bit of Eagle Rare bourbon. I say that it's really funny because I say it that way like it's rare. In Ohio, it is rare. People flip out for Eagle Rare, Buffalo Trace, anything from that distillery. When we lived in Nashville, Kate, you can vouch. It's on every shelf. It's so mm-hmm. easy to get. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what I'm drinking. Right, so. <laughs> so I am drinking Centauri whiskey, which is a Japanese whiskey. But I feel like my drink is not about the actual beverage that's in here, but more about the glass that oh. it's in. So it's really hard to tell because I have my ring light on it. It's very faint, but my dad got us these glasses for Christmas and they are custom maps glasses. So, so the glass around the whole rim of the glass is a map for any location you want. So my dad got us a few locations that are special to us. One being Athens, Ohio, which is where we met and where we went to college Another one, which is Nashville, Tennessee, where we lived for four years, and that's where we had our business. I feel like it's kind of where we grew up. Cleveland, Ohio, which is where we live now, where we're from, and then Tybee Island, Georgia, which is where we got married. And so on the bottom of the glass, it has the date or the year. So this one says 2017 because this is Athens, That and this is when we graduated, that that special time occurred for us. So... It's more about the glass, and I'll link the um, Nate, like the link to these glasses, if you want to get them. But I feel like they were the best gift that we have gotten in a really long time. Yeah, I agree. Those glasses are amazing, and they're one of the only gifts I've had that literally made me tear up. I I loved when we got those. That was amazing. So, Ray, what are you drinking? Well, I was gonna actually. Uh touch on that a little bit for those who don't know athens ohio that's the home of ohio university if you oh, like that you. voice crack give oh, me a little you. comment oh yeah there. yeah you're going through puberty or something over there something like it <laughs> <laughs> something like it <laughs> what <laughs> who knows i brought twisted tea please original i do have the party pack and it took me a minute to debate what flavor I was going to bring. My least favorite personally is peach. I think it sucks. Original, you can't go wrong. No. Um, Now, unfortunately, I'm not drinking what I want to be drinking tonight because I didn't have time to go get it. And that would be because uh, about two days ago, I was at a concert at the House of Blues in Cleveland. And if you haven't been, highly recommend. Very good venue. But... um. The only thing that played on the projector the entire time we were waiting for them to come out was one ad. Well, I lied. Two ads for the same thing. And that is a new rum by Bruno Mars. Ah. Yeah. And I personally love Bruno Mars. 
Guy's got the voice of an angel. If anybody here knows him, tell him that I personally would love to be sponsored for the very low price of one bottle of wine a week. <laughs> or not wine. What am I saying? Rum. Rum. There you go. And uh, the rum that he is making is called Selvaray. Okay. And uh, they have maybe one of my favorite slogans I've ever heard, uh, vacation in a glass. Ah, mm. I like it. I like it. And they, uh, they're they producing white rum, chocolate rum, and coconut rum. And chocolate I've never had rum. chocolate rum, but it sounds like it's something that I would be very interested in. Yeah, it sounds okay. very interesting. We need to get this for when we go to Folly this summer. Agreed. Agreed. Now, <laughs> Jinx. A uh, couple things, right? First, who did you see at the House of Blues? So the concert was for um, Charles Wesley Godwin. Okay. And he is from West Virginia. And he is exactly um, exactly what you would think of when I say that. Okay. Uh, he finished the concert off with uh, Country Roads. Nice. And uh, the guy's got an amazing voice. He's great. Awesome. Um, but his opener, uh, Tanner Usry. Okay. Uh, a lot of people probably haven't heard of him. But that guy and his band rock. Interesting. I mean, they are awesome. So if you haven't heard them, highly recommend. Those guys are going places. All right. I am intrigued by the music. And secondly, you little bag of dicks, if you're coming to Cleveland, you got to tell us about it. For those yeah, of you that know. Oh, you didn't know. Okay. It was a very last minute decision. Okay. Um, my buddy offered to buy me a ticket. Okay. Said, Do you want All to right. All right. Fair and enough. I was like, I will be there. Fair enough. For those of you that don't know, Ray and Kate and I live probably mm, 40 minutes apart from each other. So that's why I say, if you're coming to Cleveland, you got to tell us. But if it was last minute, I get it. It happens. Very last minute thing. Very glad I did it. I haven't been to the House of Blues in a very long time. With us? And yeah, that yeah. was the last time. I was very young. <laughs> Wait, um, did you not come when Mitch played at the House of Blues? I did. Oh, yeah. Was it before or I after? I think it was after. For those who haven't been, um, the House of Blues in Cleveland is a small venue. Holds yeah. 2,500 people. Not big. Um, if you go, I personally prefer to be on the floor downstairs. Agreed. Uh, that's the general admission. Because, I mean, for a venue like that, it is unbelievable to be that close and have that Christmas out. Yep. I agree. The house of blues is one of the best venues there is for hearing live music. And uh, I mean, for, for a sound for, from a sound perspective, if you're looking to find the best venue, that small venue theater type place is where you're going to really get the, the best bang for your buck. I, I think that the house of blues anywhere not just in cleveland but the house of blues in cleveland is an awesome venue great place to go check out a concert but um kate what what did you bring us this week I, we're getting off on quite a few tangents so far and that's <laughs> that's my fault but hey what's for the... those who don't know as well um mitch my older brother there moved to nashville and wrote music for a little bit of time i did and uh i i did know that bringing up music would send us onto a tangent yeah, it could send us on a much longer one. It could send us on a much longer one, but that that that's okay. Um, why don't we stick to the booze like we're supposed to do, like a bunch of good alcoholics? 
(laughs) (laughs) Nothing. There is nothing wrong with a good tangent. True. But the thing that I brought you guys today is the pebble bar. And again, we touched on this a couple episodes ago, I believe, and where Mitch and I were in New York and we tried to get into the pebble bar and it has a really rich history. And so I want to talk about that on the podcast today because I thought it was super interesting when I was doing my bits of research. So I ended up finding the pebble bar because I watch a lot of videos from the Bon Appetit YouTube channel. And again, I feel like I've talked about this a lot, but I will link, we'll link it in the show notes so that you can find their YouTube channel. And I watched a video of the bartender for the pebble bar. And he kind of touched on the history of the pebble bar. And so I obviously had to do a little bit of a deep dive myself to figure out what exactly the pebble bar is and where it came from and all that good stuff. So it is formally known as Hurley's and it was started by three Irish bartenders, Patrick Daly, and then two brothers, John and Daniel Hurley. And they opened up the pub in 1892, which wow. is a while ago. Yeah. And it's yeah. still a, it's still a, a bar today. <laughs> you know, only a few years ago, but you know. According to, um, Ray, according to Ray, it was open when I was born. So <laughs> <laughs> old. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> so the bar is in New York. It's at the corner of 6th and 49th Street in the middle of 30 Rock. So the history is that it is this like townhouse in the middle of these insane buildings. And they it was there before 30 Rock. So it was actually built in the 1870s. And then it didn't become a bar until 1892, when these the Hurley brothers and Patrick Daly opened up the bar. So uh, prohibition started. And they ended up turning the front of the pub as they called it because it was an Irish bar. So it was a pub. They turned it into a flower shop. And then it says among my research says amongst other ventures. So I'm assuming that this front entrance has changed throughout the years. But then the upstairs was they turned it into a speakeasy, which was accessible through like an unmarked side entrance. Um that people could go through. So this is like an original speakeasy bar that's still standing today, which I feel like is super cool. I want to go so bad. And I said that when you mentioned it in the previous ep- episode, um, prominent investors are now involved. Correct. Is, is that right? I think we've talked about it, but I don't remember. And you might be getting there, but I, I, I'm just curious, isn't Pete Davidson involved in some way or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pete Davidson is one of the investors, But through my research, I actually found that the people that opened the bar are a group of restaurateurs that have all of these other restaurants in New York. And Pete Davidson is not on the list. So it's uh, all of these people. They're not they're famous in their space, but they're not famous to the public like a Pete Davidson would be. So they ended up opening this place. Um, We'll fast forward to that in a second, but let's rewind for a second and go back to the Prohibition era. So Prohibition ends in 1933, and in 1930, they start demolition on this entire area to start building Rockefeller Center. And so this place, like I said, is this tiny little townhouse, and they want to build these huge buildings. If you don't know New York or with 30 Rock, 
do a quick Google search. You'll find that these are huge, you know, skylines that are built in New York City. And it was so hard for them to get ownership of this building that they they just never did. So the tenants that were living here that signed long-term leases and all of the locals that were visiting this pub were basically like, you are not tearing this thing down and we will we will do whatever we can to make that happen. And they did. So if you go there today, it is still this tiny little townhouse amongst all of these big skyline, skyline buildings, which is really crazy that this has survived since the 1800s and it's the original building. Something that makes me think of is um, the movie Up, you know, the animated <laughs> movie with the old yeah. man. Yeah, saloon totally. takes the house. But at the beginning of the movie, you watch his house get surrounded by industrialization mm-hmm. and um, the big city gets built up around his house and uh, around when he takes flight. Um, for those who haven't seen it, house flies with balloons. Sorry for the spoiler. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that's exactly what that makes me think of is this little house in a big city. So it's ex- I- that's exactly. Yeah. If you look at the pictures, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's a really good analogy. I, I can't believe there's not a, there wasn't a dollar amount that could have gotten them the ownership. Maybe it wasn't worth it. Or maybe the people just were steadfast. Like this is ours. You're never taking it from us. I mean, I can't imagine that there's not a dollar amount that would get that ownership. I could see myself being that person. I really could. Absolutely. If I have like this piece of property that is historic and awesome and they are offering me absurd amounts of money to buy it and put a skyscraper there. Hell no. I'm keeping that. Depends on how much money I, it, it, I'm not going to sit here there is a price on everything. I will agree with that. Dude, yeah, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that there's no amount of money to get me out of my place because there absolutely is. <laughs> I'll say this. It would take a lot because I am stubborn. <laughs> you are stubborn, but don't be dumb, Ray. You got to do the math. <laughs> oh, I'll do the math. And I'll tell you what, in five years, they're going to offer me more money. Well, <laughs> usually, usually that is the case. Anyway, throughout the years of them building the buildings and then all of a sudden all these people are coming to work here, the bar has become very popular to the people who are working at Rockefeller Center at 30 Rock. And so there's a ton of famous people that are known for coming here, but one of the most famous is Johnny Carson, who they actually created his own personal back entrance to the bar so he could come in whenever he wanted to and like not be seen. And also, a lot of these people who worked for 30 Rock were coming here all the time and working and eating lunch. And so they actually installed a phone line, which is funny now because we have cell phones, so it really doesn't matter. But they installed a phone line for 30 Rock. So it was called Studio 1H. And so people could take work calls while they were sitting and drinking at Hurley's, which is so funny. You know what I want? I want my own private entrance to the CI at OU. I want the back <laughs> entrance to just be Mitch Schoenman's private entrance. For those of you that don't know or haven't been to Athens, OU, the CI at the College Inn, it's one of the oldest bars in Athens. It's 
trashy. It's where underage people go to drink. It is hysterical, disgusting, amazing, all at the same time. And I want that back door that I fought so hard to get in so many times to be my own private entrance. I feel like that would be so sick. Good for you, Johnny Carson. But think about all those memories from all those college kids that you would be taking away from fighting into that back entrance. Fuck them. <laughs> Mine now. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, man. Right. Uh, so anything else on the Pebble Bar other than I, I want to go there so bad. I mean, I'm, I was sold so early, but I mean, you've just further sold me, but. Sounds so, to me yeah. like maybe we should take a social drinkers trip. Well, we absolutely we need to take a social drinkers <laughs> trip. But as I said in the beginning, it's called Pebble Bar now, and it used to be called Hurley's. So in Feb, actually as recently as February of 2022, which is like about a little less than or a little over a year ago, uh, the a new group of restaurateurs who I mentioned bought out the space and are opening what's called the Pebble Bar. So it's no longer called Hurley's. It's now called the Pebble Bar, but they are keeping all of the history of Hurley's. And so it'll be very similar. It has a same speakeasy like entrance to it. It has classic cocktails and like seafood dishes and wines that you can get. And the decor in it is very vintage and old. There's a lot of like antiqued mirrors and older looking vintage couches and that kind of thing and they kind of designed the space to look like you're sitting in somebody's living room so it's very comfortable and easy to just sit back and relax and eat and drink and I actually looked at the prices I went on their website and I looked at the prices and it's really not that bad so a cocktail will run you anywhere from like 20 to 28 bucks and their appetizers it's not like it's only like cocktails and appetizers there's no dinners or anything like that but their appetizers are only about 15 to 30. So I feel like for a New York bar, it's really not that bad. I was going to say for, for everyone listening that just pooped their pants, I, I think we need to really frame up what things cost in New York City. If you don't travel there often, 20 to $28 might sound like an absolute load for a cocktail. But in New York City at a prominent bar, that's not that much that that is probably what you're going to pay so yeah um, in the center of everything in yeah. rockefeller center i really i feel like that's a reasonable price i was expecting it to be marked up way higher than that to be honest agreed so answer me a question <laughs> you you said opening is the pebble bar not open yet it, no, sorry. I think I maybe misspoke. It opened in February 2022. Okay. Gotcha. I was going to say, that's why we couldn't get a reservation. It's not open. but okay. It actually is open to walk-ins, okay. which we should have looked at. Um, but you can make a reservation or they're open to walk-ins. So okay. you don't have to make a reservation. Got it. Yeah. I mean, this place is really interesting. Anywhere that old is interesting, right? I mean, to be able to sit where Johnny Carson sat is really cool it's just it's just awesome so um yeah i think that that pretty much does it on the pebble bar if you're in new york city go to the pebble bar let us know your experience i think ray you're right we should take a social drinkers trip to the pebble bar but ray what did you bring us this week well mitch i brought you something that we've talked about before with a little more information Ooh, yeah 
So we had talked about wanting to know what states drink the most. <laughs> oh, hit me, baby. And now <laughs> we know. All right. So I'm going to start it off with this. Between beer, spirits, and wine, what do you think is consumed the most? Beer. Beer. You are correct. With approximately 7.9 billion gallons of beer consumed by Americans in 2020. Billion? That's just America. 7.9 billion gallons. And it's just beer. Yes. Well, here, here's the thing. (laughs) We have to take into consideration what happened in 2020. Sure. True. Now, I want to acknowledge also that it is estimated that 6.4 billion gallons of that beer was drank while drunk. Wow. How, how <laughs> do they estimate that? I don't know. I didn't make the estimation. All right. If you are curious, Vine Pear is where I found that information. No, hang on. Let's put on our thinking caps. All right. So you're looking at 1.5 billion gallons sober beer. You- you probably have to take into consideration the amount that it took for people to drink before they got drunk. Right. There's a technical estimation for how long it takes a person to become inebriated. And so they are looking at the gallon amount, the gallon volume, and saying this gallon volume divided by this amount of people that drank the beer would theoretically get these people legally intoxicated and then beyond that is anything that was consumed while drunk. I would assume that that's how they did this estimation. That would make sense to me. Yeah. Now, thinking caps. Following, <laughs> following beer is wine. And this is the part that's crazy to me. So our beer number, just to remind you, was 7.9 billion. Our wine number is 931 million. Wow. Oh. Dude, and that are, is second place. We are putting it away. Yeah. Okay. This reminds me of that TikTok of that guy who was like walk going for his daily walk or whatever in his neighborhood during quarantine. And he was looking on trash day and everybody's recycling bins. And it was like bottles and bottles and bottles of wine and liquor and beer cans and everything. I mean, I remember how much we drank during COVID, like a lot. So much. Do you know what I think? So we talked about non-alcoholic drinking habits and growth last episode and the rise of sober bars and all that. I want to know, and I'm sure this study will come out in the next five years. I want to know how many people just weren't drinking anything that are now consuming non-alcoholic substances and going to sober bars versus how many people converted from drinking alcohol to being non-alcoholic because we're still consuming alcohol at quite the clip here in the united states oh absolutely yeah so um speaking of consuming alcohol at high rates spirits came in at 635 million gallons man man now, wow i want you both to guess for me what state Per capita drinks the most in America. Per capita is the key word. Yes. I'm going with Wisconsin. 
I'm going with Texas. You are both false. Incorrect. California. Nope. Ah! Not not even close, actually. Yeah. You are on the opposite side of the country. We're looking at the Northeast over there at New Hampshire. Really? What? Yes. What? 4.83 gallons per year per person. Wow. Now, that is right there with Nevada. And I'm going to go ahead and this isn't statistic based. This is just me blaming them. Las Vegas. Um, 3.43, which is the next closest. I lied. Delaware is the next closest at 4.01. Sorry. I'm looking at the map as we speak. So, but Delaware is 4.01 and Nevada is third at 3.43. No freaking way. Really? Yep. And actually, California was only 2.6. Wow. Yeah. Where, where's crazy. Ohio sitting there? 2.12. Not a lot of drinking going on in the Buckeye State. Pretty low. Wow. Michigan actually has us beat on that, and it makes me upset. Those <laughs> bastards. But Those bastards. Um, surprisingly, North Dakota and Montana are up there, um, which I didn't anticipate. There's a lot of people in a big state to but, be drinking as much as they're drinking but hang on there's not a lot of people in montana or the dakotas there's not look Fair, at the numbers but it is a large state there's probably i haven't looked at the numbers but if i had to personally guess i think montana has close to if not more people than ohio no way ohio is like the seventh most populous state in america no way you are false sir we've got to look this up and bring it back because Here's my thought, right? Low population state. There's a there's a common theme minus Nevada. Nevada, you're right. Las Vegas kind of makes it an outlier. The other ones, think about it. New Hampshire, the Dakotas. What, Kate? What do you want? I have it. <laughs> well, Actually, I have, I have it as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Eleven point seven eight million. Okay. In Ohio. million in Montana. Yes, I knew it. So here's my point. There's with the Dakotas, Montana, New Hampshire, Delaware. Any guesses on where I'm going here? There's nothing to do. That's a good thing to do. And you know what I didn't think about while I was saying that is this is per capita. Yeah. The key words. (laughs) <laughs> um, why are you talking about population that you forgot it was per capita <laughs> yeah so so yeah i'm an idiot um, because he had a monster mitch all right true so and something it, that did catch me off guard about this though was um i know a lot of people that go to wvu west virginia university um and west virginia is low on the chart really one one point eight too, so. well, in the in the spirit <laughs> of states, I think what I brought this week is going to be eerily parallel to what you brought. I brought up some funny drinking laws because I stumbled upon one that I thought was hysterical, and it got my wheels turning. Where I was like, "Okay, if that's a law in one state, what are the laws in the other states?" Because we've talked a lot about this already, right? With the scotch regulations and then we talked about how bourbon has been heavily regulated in the u.s and regulations and laws regarding alcohol are pretty funny 
And when you start looking at what what the laws are in different states, it is it's comical. So I went through some of the funnier ones. You can do a quick Google search and find different funny laws for every single state. But I I picked my favorites. So I'm going to start with Alaska. And the first one, there's two that I thought were pretty funny in Alaska. One's outrageous, but one's kind of thought provoking. And it's that it's illegal to enter a bar already drunk in Alaska. Did you know that? Really? Yeah. So no pre-gaming. Right. Well, if they catch you. (laughs) The only way I saved any money in college was to be drunk when I arrived at the bar. Exactly. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. So that ruins that. The outrageous one in Alaska is that, ready for this? You are not allowed to give a beer to a moose. <laughs> what? No, Mitch. Why would you even try? Right. Why would you try? That is very funny. And that makes me think of one that I'm curious if you put in here. Did you add that it is illegal to get a fish drunk in Ohio? Well, let's let's just stop because I brought the Buckeye State because we're from here. Okay. I've got okay. Ohio <laughs> under here. But yes, let's just go there. You already took it here in Ohio. I was saving the best for last, but you're not allowed <laughs> to give alcohol to a fish in Ohio. We're very protective of our fish here. No getting them how, drunk. How would you, you mess, even? You don't how mess with our aquatic even? life. Okay. Well, a- ask those people that shoved lead and shit down the fish to win their fishing competition. I guess if you really wanted to get a fish drunk, you could just catch it on your rod and shove alcohol down its mouth i don't know can fish like... get drunk fair question Good you know question. what i will bring that i yeah. will bring that to a future episode bring that i want to know the metabolic process of a fish how does it pro- how does it process alcohol when it hits the bloodstream that's what i want to know because they're they're cold-blooded completely different i want to know <laughs> how the inebriation process in a fish works i feel like your dad would say why would you ever waste alcohol on a fish? Agreed. He would. He would. That is fair. My dad, <laughs> my dad, for those of you listening, thinks that any form of getting rid of alcohol is alcohol abuse, is what he calls it. <laughs> and, and so I, I tend to agree with him. I've only ever thrown away a few things, and they've been so bad that I just had to get rid of them. But I try to abide by that law of the law of Greg. If you I will. do agree with you. Um, that is something that I have carried with me as well. And I would argue that our other brother, Mac, probably carried that with him all the way through college. And I'm sure where he is right now, uh, that throwing away a perfectly good beer is almost on the same level as a sin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would say that that's, that's probably correct. But we digress. Uh, so as we get into other states, uh, this one's animal related as well. It, a lot of them are animal related, which I want to know how the situation came up where this became a law, right? How how yeah. all of a sudden are they like, you can't get a fish drunk. You can't get beer like to a moose. Abuse. Well, I think probably the moose was some moron was drunk in a bar in Alaska and tried to go out and give a beer to a moose. And the moose just melee him with his antlers. That's what I think happened. That's probably not what happened, but that's what I think happened. And that's what I like to picture in my mind. So that's what we're going to go with. 
So funny story about that. We talked about that already today, but let's talk about that again. Um, <laughs> dad was in Montana or uh, might've been Colorado either way out West um, and got drunk with his buddy, Jim. And there were mule deer laying in the driveway <laughs> and uh, dad walked up and set his beer down next to the mule deer. The mule deer was sniffing it and dad was screaming at him. They wouldn't move. So apparently they were not bothered and dad socked the mule deer in the head and the mule deer socked him right back. <laughs> Dude, he's lucky he didn't die. <laughs> like who messes with an animal that's almost twice your size? <laughs> yes, for those of you wondering, our dad has had some very degenerate type of nights and it's fine. It's, it's why we probably have the Social Drinkers podcast, whatever. We don't need his dad. but seriously this one in colorado right if you're riding a horse drunk in colorado you can get a dui they're all involving animals yeah that That makes makes sense sense, though yeah it does but i I would bet that that's a law in texas as well okay well it's kind of crazy still though like it yeah they do all involve animals it's interesting how how did that even too many people have rode a horse drunk and they had to pass a law that's yeah, the weird part is right. that people have done these things multiple times that they had to actually put a law in place against it. That's I want to know what laws needed. What was done for the law to be put in place of can't give a moose a beer and can't intoxicate a fish Dude. because I need that story. Yeah. I'm telling <laughs> you the, the moose one's disturbing. I mean, someone might've got hurt during that one. It's disturbing. Um, not animal related in Hawaii. This one's more really screwed up. So Minors that get a DUI in Hawaii get the DUI, but their parent or guardian pays the price for that DUI. So what I mean by that is in Hawaii, if you're 17 and you get a DUI, you'll get charged with the DUI, but your parent or guardian will go to the classes, pay the, be charged with the fine, do the jail time, whatever it is. How screwed up is that? And how little of a lesson does anybody learn that gets a DUI if they're under 18 in Hawaii then, or 21 in Hawaii then? Quite frankly, to me, that seems very ignorant. Yeah, it's stupid. It's a dumb law. Yeah, Why? you can't control what your kid does. Yeah, it's a stupid law. It, it it's, it's frankly dumb. And there's, I had to put it in here because I was actually blown away. And the next one, Actually, I I don't want to spend too much time on these. I wish we could. But in the essence of time, this one's kind of screwed up, too. In Mississippi, you can drink and drive. Do you guys know that? Is there a legal limit? Yes. So there's no open container law. That's the thing. As long as you're under the legal limit of 0.08% blood alcohol, you can drink and drive, which I think is just crazy to me. I don't think that that is the only state that is like that. And that is also something I will bring to a future episode. Because if I remember properly, something that I learned while I was in high school um, is that other states in middle America are like that as well. But I could be wrong. Well, you might be right. Bring that to a future episode because I would be interested to hear that as well. But I just think that that's crazy. I mean, being a, you shouldn't be drinking and driving. Look, I mean, I get it. We've all had a beer and got in the car and and driven. But the fact of the matter is that 
with the emergence of Uber and Lyft and the ease of getting around almost anywhere, you shouldn't be getting behind a wheel endangering the lives of others after you've been drinking. There's too many ways to get around. The fact that you can, I know if you're under the 0.08, whatever, I, I don't, I don't like it. I don't, I don't like that. I, I don't like the example of it. I don't like that a dad could be in the car with his kid with an open beer in the cup holder. I think that's screwed up. I, I don't know. Agreed. I hundred percent agree. agree. I think there's no, absolutely no reason you should be behind the wheel after you've had drinks. Well, all that screams to me is alcoholism. I mean, my God, like how often do you need to be drinking that you need to be driving with an open drink in, in the freaking cup holder? That's crazy. Well, um, a big thing, and there's actually recordings of these, there's interviews of when drinking and driving laws started to come into play as like a big thing. And there are interviews of people who are livid that they cannot go and get their beer at the gas station and drink it on the way home. Oh, livid. stop. That is ridiculous. It's absurd to me as well. But there are, I mean, there's video documentation of people who are very upset that this is something that is happening and something that they are not going to abide by. I just think it's so irresponsible to drink and drive. I, I think it's unfair to everybody. And, and the fact is, back in the day, we didn't know. Yeah, you do. You feel how you are when you're drunk. And you shouldn't be driving. Here's, here's my question, right? How well do you do something athletic after you've had a few drinks? The answer not very well. I don't care what anyone out there has to say. I was an athlete. I know that you're shitty at every single athletic <laughs> thing that you do after you've had something to drink. So why should you be driving would be my question. And everyone's felt that since the beginning of time. I know we're running up against the end of this podcast, but my last one was the you can't get a fish drunk in Ohio. I was going to end with a bang, but Ray banged me early. That's what she said. And I think that's really all I've got for this episode. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> um, on that note, that's, uh, that's, where, that's where we're going to end it for the day. If you want to follow us on social media, all of our social media accounts will be linked in the show notes. And other than that, Cheers to another thirsty Thursday, and I look forward to talking to everybody next week. Cheers. Cheers. Subscribe to the podcast, by the way. Subscribe on put our that YouTube. Bell on. Yeah, put the bell on. Notifications. We love it. Thank you.